What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Raw Select Music. And this is the Super Sonio Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions of a curly mind. Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green Podcast. And I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com Welcome friends, you're listening to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. My name's Imran and uh, these podcast series run in conjunction with the online internet uh, radio station Blue in Green Radio. Uh, We broadcast from London and host just incredible uh, shows from amazing people from across the whole world. We have shows from uh, Niigata, Japan. We have uh, Denver, Colorado. We have uh, San Jose, California. We have London. uh, Loads of places. And uh, we're committed to providing you content that uh, we are insane about and we're very, very sure uh, that you will be too. Um, Please feel free to visit us at www.blueandgreenradio.com you can find our stream our never-ending radio stream and uh, the full list of the blue and green podcasts which I'm very proud to say we're approaching one year on these podcasts we release episodes on the first second and third Monday of every month and uh, never missed one (laughs) which I'm very happy about and uh, yeah we're approaching our one-year podcasting uh, anniversary so thank you very much for people that have tuned in to um to past episodes and uh today's episode is going to be is a really really great one um uh, somebody i've wanted to talk to for a super long time uh we're talking to billy orkstick uh founder uh of dala records uh brooklyn-based uh independent record label uh billy is ugh, just there's nothing he can't do uh he's a trumpeter he's a vocalist he's a producer he's a songwriter he's a multi-instrumentalist a, a engineer again created dala records and has worked with just amazing people and we're really lucky to have um sort of built a good relationship with him and the label we've been a part of several of his we've been able, able to showcase several uh dala releases over the last uh i think two years now um there's been a lot of just great music please just type in if you go to blueandgreenradio.com type in dala and you'll read along uh an extensive list of of the the wonderful music they've released and that we've been very very proud and excited uh, about covering uh we can't not mention the wonderful blue and green radio presenter uh, nigel gentry uh, the creator of Music for Modern Living, which airs exclusive to Blue in Green Radio. Uh, he's He was the guy who discovered Dala, put me onto them, and uh, never looked back. Never looked back. But uh, yeah, hi, and a uh, quick hi and hello and shout out to our brilliant uh, Nigel Gentry from Canberra, Australia. Um, uh, so yeah, no, we've really, yeah, we're excited to have this conversation. I think uh, we have been able to do a lot with Billy. Uh, I think I say it in the actual conversation how we um, he took part in uh, in uh, one of our get to know shows where we just spent an hour delving through the catalogue of Dala Records and Billy presented uh, five of the songs uh, himself, which is just one of the coolest things that we've ever done on the station. Uh, he he and I also partook in a in a Q and A, which again you should look up on Blue and Green Radio. 
and uh, we're finally able now to have a, a, a direct conversation which feels long overdue so uh, I'm very excited that it happened uh, he talks about Dala artists he talks about getting started himself he talks about touring for six years or seven years I think uh, with the amazing Charles Bradley uh, before he ventured into uh, starting his own label but uh, yeah that's a, that was a great portion uh, of, of the conversation I was really excited that he shared as much as he did so um yeah thrilled thrilled that we've had this conversation i very much hope we'll have the opportunity to talk to him again uh in the next year or so in, in 2020 um regular listeners of the podcast will know we play two songs per episode our guest uh in this case of course billy picks our closing number i have the uh, luxury of picking the opening number and i couldn't think of another song um uh, to play than the wonderful Camellia Hartman um, and uh, the Soulful Saints and uh, their track Return the Favour because it was the first track of theirs I was ever hipped to and uh, I think Camellia Hartman is, is just magic I think she's got a great voice uh, she has some uh, some wonderful songs that I'd urge you to check out including Breathing Hard Over You uh, but we're going to go with Return the Favour because it was the first track uh, of Dala that we were ever able to showcase and jump on and scream about to as many people as we could so uh, that's what we're going to go to right now uh, if you're hearing this for the first time my friends you're in for an absolute treat and also there are so many songs we could have picked uh, from uh, Emily Routes and Mel and Kim and there's just loads of uh, uh, really really great releases so i would hope very much that you'll explore the label further uh so without further ado camelia hartman to the stage please and after that we'll go straight to our conversation with billy hope you enjoy the show friends
thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, you making the time to to chat today. It's uh, it's something I've wanted to do for the longest time. So, uh, yeah, I'm really I'm looking forward to just hanging out with you for a little bit. If that's all right. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm uh, really glad we got this opportunity. And yeah, anything you want to know, I'm here. <laughs> Wonderful. I mean, this is like the only thing we haven't done. We had like an email exchange for uh, our website. You were so gracious to to contribute to our 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 special show on Dala Records as well. And so this is like we've reviewed lots of your amazing releases. So an actual conversation is probably the only thing we haven't done yet. I think so. Yeah, that'll, that'll be the icing on the cake <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so a, a great place to start, I, I guess, is we're talking in December 2019. So I'm, I'm, I think the best place for me to start is to say congratulations on an incredible, what I, what I would imagine has been a really incredible year uh, for you, you. And, and the label. I mean, you've had um, the Dala mixtape has come out. You've had that wonderful EP from Georgia Lee Johnson, uh, Carl Lacey's single, the most recent one that came out yesterday, Bobby Harden, not long before that. I mean, how mm-hmm. do you look back at your year? You must have achieved every goal you set out to. Yeah, no, it's it's been a really successful year. Um, and just in my mind, it it seems like the... The growth of the label and everyone involved has just been really healthy, and it it seems like every year we just keep on, you know, raising the bar just a little bit more, adding more artists to the roster, you know, diversifying the sounds that we are recording and releasing, um, just like growing our community uh, internationally, definitely, thanks to you um and uh <laughs> yeah and no it's i i've had a you know really fun uh fun year with the label um and our studio where we we operate out of um and yeah i'm i i, I couldn't be happier with with where we're at right now how long was dala something that you had in mind before you actually set out to to say right i'm i'm gonna do this i'm gonna create this label and and follow through on releasing these amazing projects how long was it sort of bubbling away in your mind i would say maybe like three days (laughs) (laughs) that Uh, is not the answer i thought that's very good (laughs) yeah i this was rewind back to 2015 um when i was just coming off the road from another adventure with charles bradley and I had begun recording music at my apartment in the East Village, Manhattan. Um, and I I had these two songs that were finished and feeling really great. One of which was At Least I Got My Baby, um, sung by Camelia Hartman. And the other was an instrumental uh, by the Soulful Saints, which we coined as uh, our backing band, house band, um, for the label. And so I literally just one day after I finished those songs, I was like, Hmm, I mean, we have music, we have amazing singers around, (laughs) around us. Uh, all my best friends are like the best horn players and rhythm section players that I know in the world, I think. Um, and so why not? Like it just made total sense. And so I just did it without even really thinking of like, Hmm, how does a record label actually work? And what does it take <laughs> to do that? 
but I think we were so strong in the music department that really that is what matters most uh, to any record label. And so basically the rest of the story, I am now just learning on the run kind of (laughs) Um, and how to to make it all work and stuff. So that's kind of how it all happened. That's that's amazing. Well done. I love that <laughs> spontaneous. I thought you were going to say it for for quite a long time, and you know, you were thinking how you would make it work, etc. But no, three days. I like that's a perfect answer. What's kind yeah, of been the yeah. biggest lesson, uh, like in terms of, as you said, like you kind of learn how to run a label as you went. Has there been something that you? What's been the sort of the biggest surprise or the biggest lesson that you've learned in terms of having now that kind of that management hat on mm-hmm. as opposed to just the musician hat. Yeah. I, I think the, um, the task of having the music recorded is for us very easy, but then releasing it and making sure that as many people as possible hear it is the hardest part. So, I mean, we're sitting on a lot of music right now, but we can't just dump it all out on the world yeah. because that wouldn't be fair to the artists and how much time we put into the recording process. Um, so really it's been a lesson of release planning, you know, how most successfully you can put out the music so that the most amount of people hear it. Um, marketing, radio play. Um, so that that's really the stuff that I'm learning and still learning about. Um, but it, it's been really fun because I think, touring with Charles and Sharon and everyone that like gave me a little bit of insight into that world, like enough for me to kind of get a jump on it. And so now I'm kind of just connecting the dots with like all the people that I've met uh, on my travels. Um, and now yeah, trying to share this music with them um, as well. Mm-hmm. I guess sort of with, with Dala and, and da- obviously Daptone before, there's a very kind of uh, an old school aesthetic in how you put in, or in how that music is put together in that you record it to analog and, and things like that. Do you find it difficult taking that mentality and that style into a digital realm in terms of you have to consider Spotify playlists, you have to consider uh on online marketing and digital sales is that kind of such a dichotomy from how you make the music and in terms Mm. of how you have to promote it into the 21st century it is strange because you're just sending around you know these links like to an entire record that was recorded on this like one inch thick analog tape on a machine that's like heavier Mm. than a refrigerator that you know, you use the recording console that costs more than a car. Uh, and then, you know, it just boils down to this like little, you know, link. So it, it is weird having to deal in that realm a little bit, which is why I think we tend to prefer to send people actual records uh, and mm. like 45s and 12 inches just so that they can like have that connection with like the tactile record and like feel as though it's like an actual piece of art instead of just like an, a digital like link and something that is kind of fleeting, which I think is like a lot of the music and the way that people digest music these days. Um, so I think there's a big importance in like 
remaining or keeping that uh, medium of the vinyl pretty um, important mm-hmm. in our label um, so that people can still have that connection to the record um, and like value it, you know, as much as we value it mm-hmm. um, and stuff. So, yeah. It's always, it's a really interesting phrase and it's sort of um, in terms of how people digest their music because it's it's a phrase like on these podcasts that we, because we, we talk to other of our radio presenters from across the world and we talk to artists like yourself and um, a lot of independent artists and you have to consider how people digest their music and there is this, I think it's almost increasingly louder voice of a, a fan base that sometimes don't feel that they should pay for music as well and then you have to consider how to <laughs> how to almost argue that point with them but then how they consume it in a spotify realm as well and it's it's sort of a, a very recurring uh, uh kind of question and point about how they digest their music and it's it's a fascinating one to to pick people's brains about definitely no and i i'm uh inspired because every day i hear people like friends of mine, friends of friends saying, oh, I'm going to buy a record player, like, you know, which is huge (laughs) because that's the first step in getting the record in their hand is like, you know, oh, I'm going to get a record player. Like everyone's doing it. Like it seems to be like the cool (laughs) thing, which it it is. And it like it's mean. It means a lot because that means you appreciate the music and like you want to hear it in that format and like with that big you know jacket and really just take it in rather than it being like pretty fleeting um so yeah i'm in you know i'm excited about a lot of people getting into it you know it's never too late really for me mm-hmm. and while discussing music formats you have the dollar mixtape which you released as a cassette that's <laughs> yeah. fascinating what was the mindset behind that so this is kind of a, a a long cool story um but I'll, I'll give you the brief version um so i had met uh, a friend in new york uh her name's juliet she was working uh for a company called recording the masters recording the masters is a french uh analog tape manufacturer um that recently expanded an office into brooklyn and so uh when i was actually looking for recording tape for our studio i found them um through our local distributor and it was actually a situation i i wasn't happy with what tape we were using previously uh the quality was actually getting really bad and um just not reliable so I decided to try out this new tape. Turned out to be so good, so great, sounded fantastic. So I reached out to them and um, we actually met up and um, they let me know that they were looking for just you know studios to connect with, producers to connect with, um, just so that they could kind of partner with people to help expand their name you know and likewise expand like our name um and so they actually were about to release their first cassette tape that customers could record onto um as you know a way to record music and stuff and and other things um so they threw a party 
for that release that I actually performed at uh, in Brooklyn, which was really fun. And then right after that, they um, asked me if I'd be interested in putting together a mixtape of our releases. Um, and then the release would be uh, produced through them. And, um, you know, they funded the entire project and, and helped promote it and stuff. And so this was just like a really great collaboration between you know, the actual tape manufacturer that I record our music with. And then it turned into this awesome release uh, with like basically one track from each of our artists that we've ever worked with um, dating back to day one to present. Um, we even snuck Bobby Hardin's newest single on there. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's just a really cool thing that people can pick up to just check out basically our growth as a label and and just see and and listen to all the all the artists and and music that we've made uh since day one so pick it up <laughs> and it's it it says essential i think in terms of a contemporary soul release that anyone could really get their hands on i think you've uh i mean you've got it's 18 tracks i think on there isn't it i mean it's yep, yep. an incredible yeah i mean it's it's let me just get the uh the playlist i mean it's kind of a dream list of releases i mean um, i've always always been very partial to uh camellia hartman because that was the first uh dala track i ever heard i think it was return the favor okay yeah. and that was the first time i was introduced to dala Records. so that one's always got a special place for me but mel and kim's bad man wonderful wonderful song emily wrote as well see the light is oh so good Thank you, so man. good yeah and there's just the there's 18 that's a beautiful song it really is um really ranks high for me um but i mean it's not just like i, I use the term a contemporary soul uh release i mean the variety on there is is incredible i mean ray mason in particular he went completely left of anything uh that that Dala's done or anything that probably people would have expected from him mm -hmm. from his background with anti Balas or Mark Ronson and he kind of took the opportunity and obviously he was granted the freedom to just do something completely unexpected yeah which was a very exciting song totally and I I think that's part of our ethos as a label we just want to give the artist that freedom um and not really have too many restrictions uh for the music we just want to let them do their thing and give them the space uh to be free uh and and just make like honest music and so ray's song is like the epitome of that i think because like you said people might expect him to make like a afrobeat thing or like a, a soul track or a, you know something more modern sounding but this was just like gut-wrenching like rock you know and yeah um, we recorded it at my old studio in the east village which was a brownstone basement uh that actually was it had 20 foot high ceilings it was like the the sub basement of this brownstone um and so the the venue and studio catered perfectly to that song it was just like so raw um and so, yeah, I'm really happy that that one made it on 
the mixtape too yeah i mean yeah. it's good you like you said about having the freedom i mean it goes back to the the sort of the, the dollar ethos which you've surmised i think your website um I, and it stood out for me i think the first time i ever visited it you had that that quote along the I think it may have been the homepage where you mentioned we have one goal in mind to cultivate organic music and share it with the world. And you're, you've been doing that masterfully for a couple of years now. And it's um, each release is something different. And it's um, George Lee Johnson is another example of that. That's a little bit different from anything else that that's been on, on the Dala catalog as well. And that's a lovely release. The language is EP. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you're very sort of hands-on. Yeah. You're very hands-on with your, uh, your contributions to each of them. I mean, it would it would be shorter to list the things you're not able to do, to be honest. I mean, yeah, you're a writer, a vocalist, a trumpeter, multi-instrumentalist, producer, engineer. I mean, is this like a, a kind of format that you're very, very, very happy with? Or would you like Dala to get to a point where you could distance yourself a little bit and focus more on Billy the Kid? kind of music and releases in general i definitely enjoy working on my own music but i think doing every release that we've done thus far really informs my own music as well and really helps me become better too um so you know i never studied engineering uh production anything other than uh trumpet um since i was um a wee wee little one um so really um you know starting the label has been basically my school for engineering playing keyboards you know playing you know drums or guitar since um engineering all these records mixing all these records i've i had never done that before so really it's it's wow. been my learning grounds for for everything uh, that you just listed and so I think it's all really um, crucial for me to to be active in all those parts because I want to be engaged and and learning more about everything uh, when it comes to making records mm -hmm. and uh, and music just in general. Um, so I yeah I don't think I would have it any other way really. Um, yeah, it's it's that's yeah excellent. it's a total treat. Yeah, I mean you mentioned um, yeah sort of your contributions with other artists and forming your own stuff. I mean, obviously the Billy, the kid, uh, stay strong EP, uh, is, oh, I didn't check my date. So it's about two years old now. Is that right? That sounds about, about two years or so. Sounds ago. about right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's aging on us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean that in a bad way. It's two years young. I should yeah. say. <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't, uh, oh, it's, take it that way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's kind of more, um, are you starting to, you know uh get back in and focus on billy the kid stuff is more sort of music in the pipeline for yourself or is there just a long list of people waiting into your attention <laughs> well a little bit of both um i definitely have some songs that are near completion that i'm really excited about um that i'm singing on and so that'll be hopefully out i want to say next summer probably um oh wow some some new billy the kid stuff um yeah i've they've been in the works for quite a while but like you said there's all these other incredible singers who are just walking in my door mm. and it's so hard to say no to that <laughs> you're just like uh yeah. you sound fantastic you have a whole record's worth of material <laughs> ready 
your band is amazing and you can record this album in two days uh great <laughs> let's do it and so that's what happened with a couple uh projects recently um i think i might have mentioned to you this jazz uh singer that i started working yeah. with recently her name's um she goes by sweet meg um yeah and yeah. she is just fantastic and it was a situation of her just walking in booking the studio no strings attached and by the end of it we had decided this is going to be a dollar release we're doing it uh she's signing the label and so now we're in the process of getting that record uh, ready for release in hopefully march uh of next year as like a single or a full album this will be a full-length album on a 12-inch vinyl wow yeah oh my god so wow. and i you're gonna you're gonna be blown away she is maybe one of the finest singers in new york city right now um she's wow. been in like the underground kind of gypsy jazz uh country blues scene in new york city um and really hasn't had an opportunity to kind of break out and just like have the world see her so I'm hoping that this record will be her ticket. Um, and so she'll be able to, you know, tour and, and do all those shows and stuff. And, you know, can't wait for, for everyone to hear her. Yeah, no, I'm excited. But that again, jazz, I mean, that's another new uh, dimension to, to Dala and, and to, to your repertoire as well, I imagine. So that's really exciting. I, look, I really look forward to it. Yeah, no, I, um, I mentioned I, I studied trumpet. I was a jazz trumpet player for most of my life. Um, pretty much right. since I was a little kid. And that's actually what I studied in college for a couple of years um, before leaving to join Charles Bradley's band, um, which was definitely the best decision I ever made in my life. Uh, and, <laughs> but yeah, I have this background of, of just like jazz music and it's really kind of been like on the load for me, kind of just, you know, I haven't really been paying attention to that side of my musical background recently but uh meg has really unlocked that door again for me and just gotten me really excited about it again so oh, amazing yeah. well, i really look forward to it uh, you mentioned uh, charles bradley obviously that was a name i was gonna bring up and you know to talk about the the years you were part of his touring band i mean i can't think you th that you think back at that as anything other than the, the real magical educational i guess period of your life as well Absolutely. Um, I mean, I like I, I said, I, I, I left school to join the band and that was really my schooling. Um, just just real life, real road experience, um, getting to see every pretty which seemed like every city on Earth uh, with this guy multiple times over um, mm. for I want to say seven years. We, we toured pretty nonstop. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and just the connection that he had with all of us in the band, it was like a family vibe, uh, through and through. And so, you know, the, the music and the hang and just the community with Daptone and everyone around us with Sharon, it was just, yeah, nothing but magic. Um, every time we took the stage and, uh, I, yeah, I'm just really thankful that, you know, I was even close to him let alone in his band um for all those years so yeah definitely an influenced 
yeah, he, who I am today. I can imagine. So, I mean, he just, I mean, any interview of him, just just listening to an album of his, I mean, it was just one of, he just seemed to have one of these just real magical kind of presences. And I can't imagine the effect that he must have had on just so many people around him. Totally. He was no bullshit. <laughs> like that was pretty much, you know, <laughs> like because he he was old school. He was from back in the day. And when he sang, he was singing about his actual life, like not songs that yeah. were written to sell records or like, you know, manufactured stuff. It was all just straight from his heart. Um, and I, I that was eye opening for me, like every night on stage you would look at him you'd be like this guy is just telling his life story um and that's i think why people were so blown away because he was just so raw and you know in your face and would just open up completely so yeah really it taught me and i think all the audiences a lot about just how to how to be as a person you know yeah and also about never giving up i mean to be discovered uh as late in his in his his life as he was you know i mean he's he's, he talked about singing on his life i mean he his story is very well known about his period of homelessness and again being discovered um through uh daps home members and obviously thomas brennick like in 60 what was it was that the almost the age where they kind of discovered him yeah i I think if that's not an advert for never giving up then what is right no I, i think it was right around 60 when he got cooking on his that first album um and Mm. yeah i mean he he was so youthful you know his vibe that he seemed like a little kid even when he was 60 uh and so you know he was able to get along with all of us because i was only 20 when i joined the band so like our our vibes somehow just like magically connected uh and you know Mm. he was you know like a like a father figure to me definitely oh jeez! Mm-hmm. wow and uh, but yeah we have you know his music and and really him and and daptone were the reason i i did the label um you know it was it was one part mm-hmm. all my friends around me and then second part for sure just being around him and them seeing how they made records how good it sounded um how easy it seemed it how easy it, they made it look uh <laughs> Just because, you know, they just have a band, they got an eight-track tape machine, you plug the microphone in, and you play the song, and then it would come out a great record. So, um, mm-hmm. I, it really just, like, hit me, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm attempting to, I guess, continue that spirit with, with Dala. And doing very well, if I may say. Thanks. How did the, um, like at 20, how did you, who did you meet uh, from that tone? Uh, and then how did the opportunity opportunity present itself? Like what, what had they seen of you? Did you go to like an audition or something? How did the opportunity arise? So uh, my close friend from uh, college, his name's Miles Arntzen. He was a drummer. He was the drummer in Antibalas when we were both in college together. He actually joined the band when he was probably 18. Um, and wow. so he introduced me to Antibalas, also introduced me to Afrobeat music. <laughs> I had never heard Fela before Miles uh, showed it to me. Um, we had a band in college called MFA, 
spelled E-M-E-F-E, that basically was an Afrobeat-centric band, but also had like jazz influence, funk influence. It was all friends of mine that were studying um, jazz at, at NYU, where we were going to school. And, you know, Miles started playing with Auntie Boss. I started hanging out with those guys, um, became close with, with Jordan McLean, who's the trumpet player with them, uh, who's also a hero of mine. And um, basically at that same time, Charles was finishing his album and they were looking for a road band for him uh, to do, you know, all the, the touring that was coming up. And so my name got thrown in the, the ring um, and I definitely did an audition. It was a, not a normal audition. <laughs> there were <laughs> things being passed around, which I was happy to see. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I just had to play like two songs and not fall apart. And I succeeded. Uh, and, um, I think half the battle was me just being able to hang out, <laughs> which is, you know, if you're going to be in a van with someone for seven years or a tour bus, you want to be able to get along with them. So, um, that was right. half the battle was just making sure that I got along with everyone. You know, me and Charles connected instantly. And um, and that was kind of what what set it off. So that that was the story. What was the family response when you said I'm I'm saying goodbye to education and schooling, and um, I'm hitting the road with Charles <laughs> Charles Bradley? It was dark. It was really dark. <laughs> <laughs> it took multiple phone calls oh, no. home. Yeah, like one oh, one to deliver the news, and then I got. <laughs> basically ignored for the rest of the day the next day to like even have them say respond to me and then the third day for them to actually <laughs> even consider it and actually what helped me a lot which is even you know this is even better i mean my professors at nyu are or were the um the great brian lynch trumpet player played with eddie palmieri oh my gosh and um was in the jazz messengers the last iteration of the art blakey's jazz messengers um and also len oh my gosh. lenny pickett from the snl band and tower power were two of my closest <sighs> professors and so they gave my parents the okay to let me drop out because lenny had never wow. even finished high school and Brian um, had known about Daptone and knew that it was like a really great community and an awesome opportunity. So they kind of, when they signed off, then mom and dad were a little bit, you know, more okay with it. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and now, you know, they're, as soon as they saw the show, they were just like, okay, he made the right decision. So, so yeah, we're cool now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they're answering your phone calls again that's good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing yeah I, I can't think the pride they must have seen you on stage with with that team of people that just must have been blown away it was it was awesome and then um actually just last night we had a the dollar records holiday party in brooklyn with a bunch of our oh, wow. artists that perform um at a great venue run by my friends called our wicked lady and mom and dad showed up. They flew in from Wisconsin uh, to support. And it was so great to have them there um, and just 
for them to see what what the newest project that I've been working on is, you know, and and take that all in. So, mm. yeah, it's amazing to have their support. You've um you've like you've been a part of uh, again as we said Daptone, you've performed with Sharon Jones and Thomas Brennick and Charles Bradley, etc. Um you 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 have one outside project outside of Dala I've always been really fascinated with uh, you. Uh, you appeared on the "Bad, Bad, Not Good" and "Ghostface" album. Um, as you, as Thomas Brennick, Freddie Debeau, uh how, how did how did that come about? That's such a, a sort of a random pairing of 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 artists and people from Ghostface to Bad Bad Not Good, and then you've got this Daptone contingent as well. Daptone slash Dala contingent. How did that come about? Yeah, so that recording session went down um at the old uh dunham studios which was tom brennick and Menahan street band's old studio in, in yeah. south williamsburg um at the time i had already joined charles's band so i was already hanging out with tom a lot doing sessions at his studio for random stuff commercial stuff singers who would you know he would be producing um for work and stuff and also the studio was being rented out uh by uh, a producer named frank dukes who is now like a grammy award-winning pop producer with like mm. camila cabello and like all these heavy people but he was originally just hanging out with tom and all of them trying to learn just like his recording style get into the like old school hip-hop feel because tom and menahan street band had or actually l michael's affair which is pretty much the same squad had done that like wu-tang mm. um record the wu-tang cover record enter the 37th yeah. chamber and so i think he was frank dukes was looking for some inspiration sonically from them for that stuff and he had discovered bad bad not good in canada because uh, Frank's also from Canada. And so he actually brought them down to become sort of a house band for his projects at Dunham when he was working there. Right. And so I think that's how the Ghostface and Bad Mad Not Good situation happened at Dunham. And then when they needed a horn section, um, Tom hit me up and Freddie um, to do, you know, a couple tracks for them. Um, so yeah, it was kind of just like a, a few things orbiting, you know, at the same time. Mm. Um, and it just like perfectly meshed, you know, together. And, uh, and now I'm, I'm pretty close with bad, bad, not good. Like they're, they're good friends of mine. Um, oh, cool. you know, amazing musicians, just like crazy, crazy. Yeah. And I, I love like, you know, kind of like me, they have that jazz background, but they, they treat it with like this really subtle, um, you know, soul vibe. Um, and it, it just turns mm. into a really cool blend. So yeah, I dig them a lot. And I, I like how that, that record came out too. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. They are uh, an amazing collective that, uh, their album four, um, is a, is a really, really great release as well. So yeah, they're very eclectic and versatile when, yeah, really imaginative definitely, musicians. Definitely, yep. So again, outside of, of Dala, uh, you've worked with like such an amazing array from, again, Ghostface to L. Michael's Affair, Kelly Finnegan, uh, Antibalas, Mac Miller, 
and Bisa Orchestra, who are recent discoveries and friends of ours now as well, yeah, who are, yeah. uh, raved about your input, which is very exciting. Oh, I'm happy you dig that. Yeah, they're also just, yeah, dynamite. And I'm, I'm really excited about some other music we have uh, recorded that they're about to release. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. Oh, wonderful. You're a part of more stuff. Yep. Of this. Yep. That's really, really cool. Who's a band or an artist that you've never been able to perform with but you'd absolutely love to Ooh, um actually just recently um you obviously probably know michael kiwanuka oh wow i yeah. would love to play in his amazing band. um yeah it'd be a good fit wouldn't it yeah and we have actually met a couple times on the road when we were with charles oh, cool. we did some festivals like early in his career um together and but i haven't uh crossed paths with him recently and then he dropped this new record and it's crazy good yeah um but there's there's no horns on it yet so i uh (laughs) you know hopefully one day he'll 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 be like all right who who are the dudes and i think that would be that would be a (laughs) awesome collaboration um and also another one that i have been thinking about recently uh is Brittany howard from the alabama shakes oh yes wow her solo record just dropped and actually my good friend alex shakur who plays guitar on most every dollar release Mm. is her is her touring guitarist uh currently so we actually already have a foot in the door there um so yeah (laughs) either one of those i'd be happy with so if, if they're listening uh, hit me up. <laughs> Excellent. That's super cool. I'm mindful of your time, so I, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go. Um, we did talk about a a closing song. We always have our podcast guests pick a closing song to to end the show. So uh, I know what it is, but you, because you kindly told me. But may I ask you to tell everyone else what we're about to hear? Sure. Um, so this is the newest single from Kyle Lacey, which just dropped yesterday. Um, this track is called Believe in Tomorrow, and it's the first single off his upcoming debut album, uh, due out February 14th, uh, 2020. And this song is just, you know, very soulful, a lot of gospel feeling. Um, I believe he recorded or wrote it in one day, uh, and we actually cut it that same day uh he wrote it on the way to the studio oh wow um and the feeling that i get from this song and his whole album is just like pure joy um i loved working on it and uh yeah i can't wait for for everyone to hear it so so yeah this is the lead single believe in tomorrow thank you so much his amazing uh hanging on debut was oh what a real great song really great song so uh i think people are in for an absolute treat uh going forward yeah i appreciate that man yeah so uh, wonderful thank you so much for your time dude it's it i yeah i've wanted to talk to you for a really really long time and uh having the opportunity to do something to tell you uh personally that you've you're just just killing that you did an amazing job amazing job so i hope things continue to go uh from strength to strength for you and dala man i really appreciate all your support and thank you for having me and i'd love to actually like meet in person one day that'd be really fun yes um, 
How close were we? I came to your anti last gig in London. We were so I couldn't close. have got much close. <laughs> At least you were there and you saw me that I was actual human being. Um, yes, you were a real person <laughs> and you were on stage and you were playing trumpet yeah. and you were awesome. The band were awesome, Thanks. but we... Uh, yeah, oh, couldn't, we couldn't make it happen. Yeah, that, was a, beyond that. that was a crazy night. <laughs> that that venue is a little nuts. I It's not my favorite yeah uh ever since it got like oh, really? renovated wow. you know it's kind of the vibe is a little different yeah. okay you know? um so i think hopefully next time when we're at like maybe a, a bigger venue with a little bit more space we can we can link up yeah awesome yeah. thank you so much for your time dude i really appreciate it thanks Man, again. thank you for having me again yeah Despite the pain, despite the heat, we will grow out of the weeds, searching for light.